So I want to ask you two provocative questions this morning as part of my message. Um, and the title of this message this morning is Shift. Shift. So you shift gears in a car and you get a little faster. There's different things that we do as far as shifting in our lives. And so the first question that I want to ask you this morning is this. It's a provocative question, which means that you might get your feelings hurt. So here it comes, because I'm asking myself the same question today. Have you ever stopped and really thought about the fact that Jesus loves the very people that you don't like? Have you ever stopped to think that the people that you don't like, and you know who I'm talking about, People that you don't like very much at all. Jesus loves them. Mm. That creates a dilemma in our lives this morning, doesn't it? Let's talk about that for a little bit. You may not like these people, but Jesus loves them and he needs us to love them too. You know, there's a lot of examples in the New Testament. This is after, this is after the church was established, so we can't say, well, that's you know, pre-church birth, so that doesn't really apply. So let's use all of these that were after the church was birthed so that we can kind of be in that same time frame that we are in the church age. Peter. Peter didn't like the Gentiles. Remember that story? You read that story in the book of Acts? He didn't like the Gentiles. He didn't feel like that we should eat with the Gentiles. I mean, Jesus brought this vision down from heaven and eating of food and oh, mixed with the people, you know, that are eating this sort of food. And... Then this, some people came and knocked on the door and says, hey, there's a guy that wants, to, wants you to come visit him. And he was a Gentile. He, he, didn't, he didn't like the Gentiles, though, but he says, well, I guess I need to do this. Because, you see, God was working on his heart, and Jesus opened up his heart to let Peter see that the gospel wasn't just for the Jews, but it was for everyone, not just a select group. So, so there was that situation where Peter didn't really like the Gentiles, but Jesus loved them. And I'm a Gentile. I'm so thankful that Jesus loves me. Amen. Yeah. The disciples didn't like Saul, who later became Paul. They really didn't trust him because, well, Saul was killing them all. <laughs> I wouldn't trust someone either if they were going around saying, oh, you're a Christian? Next. Kill him. You know? Not. So the disciples, they didn't really, they didn't like Paul until Jesus used a man by the name of Barnabas, among other things. But Barnabas was a key instrument to bring Paul into the disciples' presence and say, this guy's legit, he's okay, you can trust him. And, and so Jesus used Barnabas to get them over their distrust and really dislike of, of Paul. So that took place. The disciples didn't really like Paul, and I don't blame them. Paul didn't like John Mark. Think about that. Paul and John Mark... We're going off, doing different things, and John Mark says, I don't want to go. And Paul said, fine, go back to your mama. I'll take Barnabas, and I'll, I'll take that other guy with me, and you guys will do whatever we're going to do here, and I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to continue preaching the gospel. Bless God, but I don't like you anymore. But then Jesus softened, softened Paul's heart. And help Paul to forgive John Mark, because you, as you continue to read, he says in one of his letters, and bring John Mark, he's beneficial to me, right? <laughs> 
And there was this, there was this relationship that was restored, this loving relationship that was restored between John, uh, Mark, and Paul. They all eventually came around. You know, so we, again, we read the arc of the story, we realize that even though you don't like someone, you can end up kind of being restored back to them. But what's the key element in all of these things? The Lord Jesus Christ came in and used different people in different situations, but ultimately, the, this is what, if you're struggling with liking people, that, that the Lord would have us to apply to our lives this morning, and that is this. It's called humility. Because we need to shift in our lives sometimes, and we need to apply humility to our lives. It's a, it's a humility shift that's based in the love of Jesus. It's all based in the love of Jesus. Everything we're going to talk about this morning is all based in, in the love of Christ. Because I don't personally have the capacity to love people that I don't like. And neither do you. All I see is what I don't like about them. And I'm just going to raise my hand and say, there's people I don't like. Anybody want to join me in that group? If not, those who are not raising your hands, you're lying. And we get to have a repentant time at the altar later on here today. All right? Because I know there's someone that you don't like. Right? All right. These people kept their hearts open to the Holy Spirit teaching them and growing them, showing them how to be more like Jesus. And that's really our goal, isn't it? Is that we, in our lives, no matter how often, how long we've served the Lord, our goal is that we want to be more like Jesus, right? And man, we're never more like Jesus in, in, in that we love people, right? And that love and forgiveness, just loving people. These people, these guys that I mentioned in, the, in our examples, they realized their prideful attitudes and they humbled themselves before God. I, I just wonder if Peter was thinking about his own experiences when he wrote these words in his letter in 1 Peter in chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. He says these words, All of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Then he says, For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I'm sure that Peter was just <clears throat> thinking about, man, I, I had some problems with the Gentiles and Jesus humbled me. He took my pride away and helped me to realize that I just need to love people no matter who they are. Here's the thing. No matter who it is that you don't like and these people that you know, I'm, I know you're thinking about them right now. You probably work with them, you probably live with them, you probably go to school with them, you know, they probably are your people you don't like on social media that you just still like to argue with and you have no idea who they are. You just don't like them. You don't like people that are on TV because they have different uh, political ideology than you or whatever the case may be. They're just people you don't like. But all those people that you're thinking of right now, no matter who they are, We've all heard this phrase before. Do you realize that everybody is equal at the foot of the cross? Everybody. When we all bow at the foot of the cross, there is no black, there is no white, there is no Hispanic, there is no Asian, there is no rich, there is no poor, there is no favorites, there are no rejects, there's no better, there's no worse, there's just sinners all saved by grace. All of us are equal at the foot of the cross. As a 
saying that someone said once, it says, we are all a bunch of different looking sinners in need of the same looking cross. So I want you to do something for just a second. I want you to look around at somebody or some people. Just look at the congregation for a second. Just look around. Go ahead. If you have to get up, look around. You stare at people and point them out, whatever you got to do. But let's look around for just a second. You see, there's, there's not one person in here that looks the same, right? <clears throat> Everybody's different, right? Now I want you to look at this cross or, or that one. That's the same. We're all different sinners. We're all in need of the same looking cross, that blood-stained cross of Calvary. Jesus came to love all of mankind. When he said it is finished, when he came to die for your sins, he didn't say, just for those people, just for this select group of people, just those that I like, just those that I get along with. No, he came to love all mankind. I know it's hard to love people that we don't like, and it's hard to like people that we don't love. But we really need to be careful, folks, not to be arrogant in our walk with Jesus. Not loving others the way that Jesus loves is really an act of arrogance. And in fact, I'll even go further to say it's absolutely a sin. It's a sin. We are actually saying Jesus loves me more than them. You ever think about it that way? I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. People that I don't like, I think maybe uh, they, Jesus doesn't like them either. But it's not true. <laughs> he loves them. I mean, I got reasons for not liking them. Certainly, Jesus sees those reasons, and he would be on my side on this one. But that's not the way he thinks. You know, by having that attitude of Jesus loves me more than them, that's a pretty arrogant way to live when you think about it. But as we just read, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In other words, he rejects the proud. He rejects those that are walking in that prideful, I don't like you. Because... Saying, I don't like you, is really being arrogant and prideful. Because our perspective is so off. He wants nothing to do with that arrogant attitude. But I'm so thankful that he says, to the Bible says that he embraces the humble. He, he's drawn to those who don't think of themselves more highly than they ought to. I, I want to be like that because I want God to be drawn to me, right? I, I want God to embrace me. I, I want God to love me and, and to say, yeah, that's the right attitude. That's the right way of being. I sure don't want to be rejected and resisted by him. I mean, how's, I can't think of any person worse to be resisted by than God. The truth of it is, and I'll say it again, that Jesus loves those we don't like. So we must get over this arrogant attitude of thinking. That we're somehow better than the one or the ones that we don't like. And, and then just ask the Holy Spirit to give us the humility to love like Jesus loves. To see people as Jesus sees them. And to realize that we are all equal at the foot of the cross. Sean, I'm going to use it as an example just one more time. So let's go back 20, 30 years ago, whenever this was that happened in your life. And that situation even before the abortion where you were going out and trying everything else that you could, right, for that year. And, and we can all relate to that, right? We've, we've had our times, right? I mean, here we are all cleaned up and looking all Christian and looking good today. But if you could just see us 10, 20, 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago for some of us, we would be the kind of people that we don't like right now because we see how they're living. We would be like Sean, you know, 30 years ago. I'd be like, I don't really like Sean because she's doing all this stuff, Right? And just put your name right there where Sean's name is. Put my name right there where Sean's name is. 
And that's how we somehow view people maybe sometimes in their state where they are right now in the struggles, in their choices, in the decisions that they're making. In their journey in life, we don't like them because. But Jesus loves them. And Jesus sees them in a different way than we do. So our perspective needs to shift, doesn't it? Are you still with me this morning? So then let's take this next step because our perspective needs to shift, right? We're talking about shifting this morning, right? So the first shift is that we go from pride to humility. The second shift is that we go from seeing them the way that we see them, the way that, uh, you know, that, that we judge them by saying, Lord, I want to see them through your eyes. It's a perspective shift. And again, it's based in the love of Jesus. If you were with us last Sunday, part of the message we listened to and, and experienced that Jesus had these 40 days in the wilderness where he was tempted. And if you remember that he, he came into the wilderness after he was baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit went with him and he, and he, and he was able to uh, not just endure but to overcome and to be successful and victorious in those temptations that Satan threw his way while he was in the wilderness. But he also read the, at, the, uh, at the end of the story when Jesus came out of the wilderness, it says in the very next verse in Luke chapter 4, that he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was with him before, during, and after, and continued with him. And how many knows we need that in our lives? Yeah. So he came out of that experience victorious with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing that we read in Luke chapter 4 is Jesus going in his ministry, going to the temple on the Sabbath in his hometown. In reading, and he opened up, he, he stood up that day, he was assigned to read, and he got to read the particular assigned reading of that day, and it happened to be the reading that had everything and spoke everything to do with him. It was talking about him. He was reading about himself. And he said these words that are found in the book of Isaiah, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'll say that again. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is upon me because He has anointed me to what? To preach the gospel. And then there's a list that He's given us of the people that He's preaching to. It's to the poor. It's to the brokenhearted. It's to the captives. It's to the blind. And it's those that are oppressed. He says, he's, he's called me to preach. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive. He sent me to, to recover sight to the blind. And he sent me to set at liberty those who are oppressed. They say, well, that's good for Jesus. What does that have to do with me? Because we're like Jesus in this earth. We are his examples. We are his, we are his ambassadors. We're his representatives. So as the Holy Spirit has sent Jesus when he was on the earth, Jesus is now sending us in that same power to do those very same things. Jesus came to proclaim the good news to quite a list of needy people, didn't he? But that list that he gave us isn't about those people out there because again we have a perspective that right now we're all cleaned up and we're good and it's just like praise God and hallelujah and we can do our Holy Ghost dance jigs and get all spiritual and wonderful and think we're just doing great and God is God is where we need to be and we're just on this journey of faith but out there 
Now that's what that list is talking about. It's out there. Is the it's where the it's where the poor are. It's where the it's where the oppressed are. It's those that are really in need. But here's the thing. We are those poor. We are those brokenhearted. We are those that are captives, those that are blind, those that are oppressed. We're in that same category because we're all broken and needy people. All of us are broken. All of us are victims of the curse of sin. All of us are in need of a rescue. All of us are in need of a Savior. And the gospel makes us rich in spirit. The gospel heals our broken hearts. How many can testify to that this morning? That the gospel frees us from sin's captivity. How many can say, thank you, Jesus, for that? The gospel opens our spiritually blind eyes. How many is thankful this morning that that's happened in your life? The gospel delivers us from the oppression of sin. How many can say hallelujah to that? You see, the fact is, it's all of us are broken. All of us need a Savior. It's not just them out there. It's all of us in here. It's a perspective shift. Now the criteria is never that we only love those who love us. That's easy. If you love me, I love you back. If you don't like me, it makes it really hard to love you. After Jesus said these words that we just read in Luke 4.18, they tried to kill him. He said a few more things. He, he read that scripture and he says, in your presence today, this has been fulfilled. I mean, he just flat out just said, that's me. And they were like, you've got to be kidding me. And he said a few more things and they said, all right, we're taking you. We're going to take you up to the top of this hill. And we're going to throw you over the, over the mountain. And that's it. That's the, the, you're over the cliff. You're dead. Somehow, it doesn't really say how, but he just, he just kind of walked through the crowd and left, you know. I love that part. I, I, wanted, I wanted a little more elaboration on that, but I guess they just went, whoa, there's something going on with this guy and I'm not touching him. But they tried to kill him. Loving others is no guarantee that they will love us in return. In fact, many times it's just the opposite. We say, well, I don't want to love people because they're not going to love me back. That's not the criteria. Loving someone so you can get love back is not their criteria. I'm going to love you so you can love me back is not what Jesus was talking about. We love, period. We don't love to be loved, and we don't love because we are loved, but we love because it's the heart of Christ to love. And it's that love that has changed the world for those who would receive him. So, there's people that we don't like, that Jesus loves. Have you ever thought about that? It's the second provocative question that I'm going to ask you this morning, and it's this. Have you ever thought that the very people you say God has placed in your life to help you be more like Jesus are saying the very same thing about you? Oh, sister, uh, the, my, my relative, my coworker, my classmate, my whoever it would be, my spouse, God forbid has been placed in my life to just keep me in my prayer mode and to keep me at the foot of the cross, to make me more like Jesus. They're just, they're just causing me to just really depend on Jesus. But guess what? The same people you're thinking about are saying the same thing about you. God help us. They're saying, that's so-and-so, that person, <laughs> keeping me at the foot of the cross. 
helping me to be like Jesus. God help us in our arrogant attitude to think that somehow that we're better than others. Have you ever considered that you're just as frustrating to others as they are to you? <laughs> you're just as annoying as they are. <laughs> yeah. You punch in them the same buttons as they punch in you. You rub them the wrong way too. Here's one. They talk about you when you leave their presence too. Ooh. That's hard to accept, isn't it? Why do we seem to think that we've cornered the market on perfection and are delightful to everyone that we know when the truth is we're just as bad as anyone else? <laughs> we're all in the same category as broken humanity. It's not just others who need fixing. We need fixing too. Turn to someone. This is your perfect time to say it. You need fixing too. Go ahead and say it. You need fixing too. Did that feel good? But man, I've been wanting to say this to you for years. You need fixing too. Yeah. And now the other person turn to the other person and say, and so do you. <laughs> you see, our pride fools us into thinking that we're somehow superior to those out there. But we're not. We're not. Sin has broken us all. But thank God that Jesus has come to pay our sin debt and set us free. Amen? Now here's what Luke, what he read in, in Luke chapter, rather what he let, read in Isaiah that was documented in Luke 4, 18. In Luke 4, 19, he, he finished up the reading of the prophet by saying, and I've come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that's the final, the, kind of the finished uh, reading that he had. So he's come to, the Spirit of the Lord has come to help me to set, set the poor, preach to the poor and set the captive free, but also to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So what is the acceptable year of the Lord? They knew what that meant, the Jews, the people that he was reading to, knew what that meant. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. If you know anything about the celebrations and the things that the Jews did, you go back to the Old Testament, the year of Jubilee took place every 50 years. And what that did, every 50 years, there were debts forgiven, there were mortgages canceled, and the captives were set free. Well, I'd kind of like to have that here in the United States. Wouldn't that be kind of nice? And like, let this be the 50th year, and all of our debts are canceled, all of our mortgages are canceled. That'd be great, yeah. But every 50 years, that was what they did. It was a giant national reset in the nation of Israel. You know, you've heard how COVID is being used by some to be a great reset and bring on a one world government and all that. Maybe so. And that's fine with me because it just tells me that we're that much closer to Christ's return. <laughs> but until then, Jesus was saying to those that day and to us today and to those that are listening, I've come to establish a permanent year of Jubilee. You don't have to wait 50 years anymore. It can happen every day. It can happen today. It can happen now. You can be free from your bondage and from your debt today. Aren't you thankful for that? And as much as this promise is for you today, it's also for those people out there. All of us. Because we're all in debt to sin. We are all slave to sin. No one is better than the other. We're all equal to the foot of the cross. And we're all in need of a rescuing Savior. Which leads us to really 
uh, the last shift that we're talking about this morning, we've gone from arrogance and pride to walking in humility. We've shifted our perspective to realize that we're just as annoying as other people are to us and that we're all equal in that way and that, you know, nobody's better than anybody else. So then we shift really our purpose now and say, then what's my purpose? Why am I even here on this earth? Who is it that needs Jesus' love? Who are we supposed to like and then love like Jesus likes and loves? Well, Jesus gave us a list. It's a very familiar list, in fact. Acts 1.8. We just celebrated Pentecost Sunday last week. And... Um, had some baptisms here and it's a communion. It was a, it was a full, full Sunday last week of wonderful things. But Jesus said before the Holy Spirit came in the upper room and the church was birthed, he said in the chapter before in Acts 1-8, he says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. I don't want you to go anywhere until uh, the Holy Spirit comes. And he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So we know that's a very familiar passage and we also then see this list you're going to be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth so there's this intentional list that he's given us he could have just said I want you to just be my witnesses to everyone everywhere no but he didn't for some reason he gave us a, a list he was very specific why was he specific because we he knows our propensity to just kind of fudge just kind of excuse things away, you know? So he helps us to define this purpose in our life, this particular list. Our purpose in life, by the way, is not just to make a living. I I'm thankful that God's given us jobs and that we're able to go and make a good living and make some good money and take care of our families and, you know, all of those sort of things. But God is not... God has not placed us on this earth to make a living. In fact, he created you to have a relationship with you, number one, and then secondly, through that relationship to tell others about that wonderful relationship that you have, that they can have it as well. Our purpose is here is to not make a living, but it's to make a difference. I'll say it again. Our purpose here is not just to make a living, but it's to make a, an eternal difference. Our purpose in this life is to not just go out and work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, come home, cut the grass, cook the meal, put the kids to bed, go back to sleep, and start all over again with our cup of coffee and go to work, and da 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 And just this kind of this constant cycle. But our purpose is to make a difference, is to share the love of Jesus. Jesus was saying, listen, I need you to be my extension. I need you to be my ambassadors, my representatives, and I am going to give you my spirit to be that sort of witness but you've got to change your perspective here and your perspective shift needs to be that it's not about me and my temporary kingdom, but it's about him and my, his eternal kingdom. His eternal kingdom. His kingdom is going to last forever. Ours is going to last as long as we're alive and it may go out beyond that if we have a will and have money to give so that people can fight over it and stuff, you know? And litigate it all the way to where all the lawyers get the money. But you know what? Well, I'm going to make a difference in someone's life, I'm going to share the love of Jesus, like what our team did yesterday, like what we're doing with this Save a Baby campaign, where we may not see the results right away, but as we heard last year, we've been doing this every year for several years, we now see babies who were rescued from abortion who've grown up, and now they're mothers and fathers of their own, and they got precious children, and uh, 
They're making a difference for the kingdom. They're plugging in and making a difference. They're not just making a living. They're making a difference. God has a plan, a unique plan for each of our lives, but it's perspective shift. Please work hard. Work as unto the Lord. Make a living, but don't let that be your primary goal. Let it be your primary goal that perspective-wise that I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to share Christ. Amen. I'm going to make a difference by being, uh, being Christ to people. I'm going to, I want you to... I think I typed it in for you guys to put it in, but it's called good newsing. I know that's not a word, but it is today. It's good newsing. In other words, it's being Christ's witnesses. It's simply sharing Jesus wherever we go. We're just going to good news, good news ourselves throughout the day. It's just that everything that we do, it pivots to the gospel. It pivots to pointing about Jesus' love and His goodness and His rescue and His salvation because we're all broken. And Sean, you can tell your unique story. I can't tell that story. I can't tell your story. I can tell my story. I can tell your story, but it's not going to mean as much. I heard about this person who, you know, God brought through. But boy, my story has much more passion to it. And I, can, I don't have to say, well, hold, let me call Sean and verify this information. I, I, I know my information. I can tell you my story of how God rescued me. How about you? You have a story too, don't you? And as we good news ourselves throughout the day, we love those in Jerusalem. That's the first list of the things on, the, on Jesus' list. He says, I want you to love people in Jerusalem. Where's your Jerusalem? Well, we can say it's right here in Rock Hill, but let's kind of expand that out to say, wait a minute. It's really more of those that are familiar with us. It's our friends. It's our family. It's our familiar. That's our Jerusalem. It's the people in our school or workplace, places that we frequent, people that we know. That's the people that we good news to. Sometimes it's harder to share uh, Jesus with those that we know. But... He put us, he, Jesus put them on the list because those are the people that we have maybe the most influence over. Who knows? But he says, they're on the list. So that's who you share the gospel with. Here's the second part of the list. We love those in Judea. Those are people that are maybe strangers in our culture. They're not strange to us. They're just people we don't know. I like to call them future friends. We meet these new people every day. We meet them in person. We meet them online. And I encourage you that as you do, to find those God moments and pivot to Jesus. Just pivot to Jesus. Just pivot to Jesus. Jesus put them on the list. The people in Judea. Oh, I don't know them. That's somebody else's responsibility. No, it's not. Jesus said, that's our responsibility, those in Judea. We love those in Samaria. He put those in the list. Well, I don't even know where Samaria is. I don't even live close to there. That's not what he's saying. These people are strangers that are not in our culture. Different races, different religions, different political ideology, maybe different uh, ways of thinking. The list goes on and on about people that we just say, I don't even know who this person is. I wouldn't even know how to get in there. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly who they are. And knows exactly how to get in. And maybe there's a divine appointment, like we keep talking about, like Shekinah uses a lot. And he has these people that are just total... See, the people in Samaria, or, or, or Samaritans, if you know anything about uh, the Jews and the Samaritans, they, the, the two never mixed, like oil and water. Right? They hated them. Um, but Jesus says, no, I need you to go to those people too. I need you to love them too. I need you to like these people that I love. And finally... He, he says, we love those 
to uh, the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, I want you to think about that. Jesus probably just kind of went, okay, this is like the all of the above category, the, the whosoever wills. It's the just in case you didn't think I meant them, I did list. That's that category. So he pretty much, he didn't just start out by just saying everyone everywhere. He says, Jerusalem, the people that you're comfortable with, that you know, very familiar friends that you've known for decades maybe, the people that are, uh, the, 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 the Judea, the people that are strangers in your community, but people that you can immediately connect with. Man, man, you, you got a truck with a gun rack on the back, so do I. Man, I'm going to talk to you. I don't know you, but I'm, I'm immediately connected with you, right? Uh, uh, people that are Samaritans, those are the people that, I don't have any idea who they are. And then he says, by the way, and they just, eh, the uttermost parts of the earth, that's everybody else. It kind of fills in all the blanks and stuff. Really, what he is saying is, Everyone everywhere. That's really what he's saying. But he, he took time to make a list because he, again, knows how we like to excuse and fudge and wiggle out of things because that's our propensity. So he got very specific. All these categories of people, by the way, can be impacted with the generosity that we've been talking about over the last several weeks. That series that I did a few weeks ago about generosity and the stories that we keep hearing about how God is giving us opportunity to be generous. And by the way, for those of you who are visiting today, I'm not talking about giving money to people. It's like, oh, here we go. He's starting to pull it. He's starting to dig into my wallet. That's not it at all. You probably even wonder, why are we even receiving an offering here this morning? Because we haven't received an offering for years here. God provides for us beautifully because we got these receptacles in the back. And I don't need to tell you how much to give. The Lord's already put that in your heart. But talking about generosity... It's not just talking about our money, because we can be generous with our thoughts, can't we? We need to hear this again this morning. We need to be generous with our thoughts, because it speaks very clearly to how we judge people and size people up. We see someone, we automatically think about them something, don't we? And usually it's not necessarily a generous thought. We can look at someone that's going through a difficult time, and we don't, say something, we don't think something like, I bet that they're just the most wonderful people in the world. Nope. Our first thought is, well, they probably deserve what they're living there. We're not generous with our thoughts. But we need to be, don't we? Because that really helps us to build a bridge towards them. If we have a negative, awful thought about them, well, we've automatically put a chasm between us and them. But if we're generous with our thoughts and we think about them the way that Jesus thinks about them, and then we use words that are generous... How many have been to a restaurant in the last few weeks and, or, or at a grocery store or, or wherever it is that you may go and you see someone just working hard and they're just really kicking it and you can tell they're struggling, they're overworked, understaffed, that sort of thing, you know? Maybe they're struggling in some way, you can just tell the countenance on their face, they're not happy. How much would it cost you to say thank you for the great work that you're doing today? Jesus loves you. How much would it cost for you to say that? The breath that you breathed and a little bit of effort. How much, on the other hand, would it be valuable to the person that you just spoke it to? It's priceless. And that's being generous with our words. Instead of, well, that person just needs to learn how to be a better waitress and I'm not going to leave them a very big tip because they forgot to fill up my drink and all that sort of stuff. I mean, let the other people that are ugly do that. But let's be sweet. Let's be kind. Let's be generous. Let's be Christ-like. And let's love them with our words. We can love them with our attention. In other words, 
while you're talking to me, I'm not going to be scrolling through my social media. Or while I'm driving, I'm going to be generous to give full attention to my driving and not scrolling through my social media. If you're listening today, put your phones away. Just drive. Just drive. Just drive. You know, how many people just drive by cars and you see them on the phone all the time? They're listening. Like, how, how is there not millions more car accidents than there are right now? But you can give people their attention, your attention by just being present in the moment. You can be generous with your influence if maybe you're in a position where you can help someone along. Um, use an example of just someone here in the congregation who I just sent him an, a, a link to, a, to a, a website this week and said, hey, you might want to check this out. This might be something that might benefit you down the road. And that's as far as I'm going to get with that because I don't want to get into the details, but it's just a way of being generous to say, how about that with my influence? Here's people that I know. Here's a situation that might benefit you. And little things like that, you can just promote people with your possessions. What do you have sitting in your storage room, in your storage building, <laughs> again, that you're paying $150 a month, you've not used it for five years, you got it on sale, you know, 10% off five years ago, it's cost you more now to keep it in storage than it is to use it, or give it away. And you see maybe that there's a need in someone's life, you know you can take care of that need, you're not using it anymore, it's still in good shape, pass it on with your possessions. That's generous, isn't it? Certainly money, all of those sort of things are opportunities to share Jesus' love. It's an expression of the love of Jesus. And it opens the door to share the gospel with others, doesn't it? Because as I've said before, generally people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So as we begin to land this plane here this morning of our time together, and we're looking at shifting, let's do a real quick review what is it that maybe in this message here this morning that the Lord has spoken to your heart saying, oh, I really need to shift? Maybe it's in your pride and the Lord needs to work with your arrogance and pride and put more humility in there and say, Lord, I want to see people like you see them. I want to love them like you love them. There's some people I don't like that I need to see like you see because I want to love them like you love them. Shift our hearts. We repent of that arrogance. We repent of that pride. And we clothe ourselves with the humility of Christ. I mean, just kind of picture yourself putting on this beautiful garment of humility. And wearing that all day long. Recognizing that we're all equal to the foot of the cross. We shift our perspective. And we're really truthful that we're just as broken and in need as the next person. We're just as annoying as the next person. And we shift our purpose by recalibrating our life to God's kingdom purposes. This good newsing that we talked about earlier as we go along, being generous in the love of Christ as the Holy Spirit empowers and leads us along. You know, Jesus loves the people that we don't like. And it's not him that needs to change that equation, by the way. It's us. Jesus isn't going to hate those we hate. And he's not going to look down upon those that we look down upon. It's just not going to happen. It will never happen. We need to love like Jesus loves. And we need to love those whom Jesus loves. If you've ever attended a wedding, you hear the following scripture read a lot. It's not just talking about love, a love between a man and a woman though. But it's how 
the, it's how the Holy Spirit would have us to love everyone at all times. I want you to listen to this passage here as I close out today because it's a great list of what true love actually is. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of us know it as the love chapter. Listen to this. <clears throat> Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. In other words, I'm not going to be jealous of what you have or how good you're doing. I'm going to love you and rejoice with you. Love doesn't parade itself. Not going around saying, look at me. Love is kind of let the left hand know what the right hand is doing sort of thing. It doesn't puff itself up, it says. It doesn't say, hey, I'm loving like Jesus loves. Very humble. Love does not behave rudely. Mm. Doesn't seek its own. Doesn't get the best seat in the house. It doesn't get the, the window seat. It doesn't get the, the biggest piece of steak on the grill. It doesn't seek its own. Not provoked. Thinks no evil. The kind of love that Jesus needs us to walk out doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but does rejoice in the truth. The kind of love that he's wanting us to have. It, it, that kind of love that bears all things. That kind of love that believes all things. That kind of love that hopes all things. That kind of love that endures all things. It's that kind of love that never fails. I'm going to give you some homework this week. I want you to take that scripture, verses 1 through 7 of 1 Corinthians 13. And in your devotions, I want you to meditate on this list every day and let the Holy Spirit show you what you need to work on. To say, all right, Lord, there's some things here that I'm struggling with. And this is exposing it. A couple of things here that I need you to work on. And let Him minister to you that kind of love and put it in there so that it can come out. Replace what's in there, the nasty stuff, the fleshly stuff, the prideful, arrogant stuff, whatever. Sorry, Lord, that, that's not a view. I don't want to be that way anymore. It's very challenging because there's some people I don't like. But I need you to work with me on this list so that I can see them like you see them and I can start liking them and loving them like you like them and love them. It's a great list. We're all equal at the foot of the cross, amen? The cross is the great equalizer of humanity. I pray that we'll all find our way to the foot of the cross daily where Christ can do the work that needs to be done in our hearts so that we can walk in humility towards others and keep our perspective on the purposes of God's eternal kingdom. And that's all about souls. It's, it's good newsing as we go. I'm going to finish this one uh, quote that I actually read 
on um, Pinterest of all places. And if you will, just close your eyes for just a minute, stay seated, but I want to read to you this with no distractions. <clears throat> and I want you to just picture in your mind's eye whatever you think the cross of Calvary looks like. If you want to look at the picture on the screen, you can do that and put yourself you don't want to close your eyes and you want to look at the screen and get a nice visual and let that person that's kneeling there be you. And I want to talk about the cross for just one second. The cross is where we have our arrogant judgments and prideful assumptions ripped from our hearts. The cross is where we're stripped of our self-righteousness that thinks we're somehow more worthy than others. The cross is where we can face our shame and confront the truth of who we are without any need to present ourselves as something better. Because the cross is where we grasp the truth that all things in me call for my rejection. But all things in Christ call for my acceptance. I'll say it again. All things in me call for my rejection. But all things in Christ call for my acceptance. Open your eyes. Look at the screen. Let's read it one more time together. All things in me call for my rejection. But all things in Christ call for my acceptance. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want to invite you as your standing to either come to the altar or stay where you are but I want you in your heart and certainly physically if you want to come to the altar invite you to come to the cross this morning come to the foot of the cross this morning and I want to pray over you as we are dismissing here this morning in just the next few moments Father our hearts are very aware that we have arrogance and pride in us. It's what got Satan kicked out of heaven in the first place. It's pride. And who are we to think, Lord, that we're any better than anybody else? We're not. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. And we ask Jesus that as we come to the cross this morning, that you would shift our heart by removing the pride and the arrogance wash it clean we give it over to you and we ask that you give us your humility instead lord that we would like the people that you love show us how we can overcome this attitude that we have towards them this perspective that we have towards them that they just really annoy us and help us to realize lord god that as annoying as they are god we're just as annoying to other people and maybe even to them None of us have cornered the market on being delightful. Forgive us, Lord God, for walking in some sort of fantasy land that makes us think that we have arrived and that we are on top of everything and that we are the example for everybody else. God, there's a lot of stuff we all need to work on. Forgive us, Lord God, for the arrogance and pride. Wrap us, clothe us in your humility right now, Lord Jesus. Help us to walk in that humility, realizing that, that our purpose of why we're here is not to make a living, but to make a difference. And let us see 
the harvest. Let us see the souls. Let us see people like you see them in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth that we would good news as we go. Father, we come to the cross this morning. We repent of our sins of arrogance. And we pray, God, that you'd help us to see those people we don't like like you see them. Give us your eyes right now to see. Give us your heart right now to love. And give us your words to speak out those sort of things, to be generous in those sort of ways that will uh, prepare their hearts and open their hearts to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord God, for each one that is standing here this morning. Those that are at the altar, those that are at home watching this, those that are in the congregation kneeling in their hearts right now, wherever they are. Father, we thank you that only you can do this. And we give you our hearts, we give you our sin, we give you our brokenness, we give you all that stuff that is a huge hurdle for us, a mountain that we can't even get over. Oh God, remove it from us and help us to have a clear path to love like you love. To love like you love, to see them like you see them. To share your good news. Father, we thank you that you're taking our stony hearts, our prideful hearts and you're softening them up right now we give you our hearts to your work lord jesus thank you jesus thank you lord would you just give him your heart right now wherever wherever you are you know the lord is dealing with each of you individually right now i don't know what's going on i don't know what you're thinking i don't know what the holy spirit is dealing with you about but you do and i i i, I just feel like you need to make it personal right now and say lord you know who these people are you know the struggle that I'm going through. You know the situation. You know what's brought me to where I am today. And I'm tired of walking in this bitterness and this unforgiveness and this arrogance. I'm tired of it. I'm bound by it. I, I need to be free from it today. Just tell him right now. Give it to him. Lay it at his feet. Let him do what only he can do. Let the Holy Spirit do this work of, uh, 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 of bringing strength and cleansing and healing and, and, and rescue and hope to your life again. Let him take those eyes that see critically and now shift them to see lovingly, compassionately. Let, let, him, let him take that mind that thinks critically and, and thinks hatefully and, and replace those thoughts with, with kind and loving and gentle, uh, long-suffering and patient sort of thoughts. Let, let, let 1 Corinthians 13 be, be uh, just saturate us, the, the, the qualities, the, the, the list that is there, the, the things that are of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, those things that are there that, that we're just, we're not walking in, maybe not consistently, maybe not at all. But Lord, let today be the day that, that we pivot, that we, that we shift, that we, that we, that we repent, that we, that we stop walking this way and that we shift and start walking towards you this way, the, the way that you've modeled for us, the way that you need us to be, the way that you've really commanded us to be. Time is of the essence. Time is short. Your return is soon. The trumpet's about to sound. Father, let what we do be, uh, be urgent. Let it be immediate. Let, let it be today. Let us reprioritize our lives to eternal purposes. We give you our lives. We give you our past. We give you our hate and anger and judgmental stuff. We give it all to you. We lay it at the foot of the cross. It's nasty, nasty putrid stuff. God, replace it with the things that are of you so that we can walk out of here equipped and ready 
to walk in the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Jesus, just like you did. We need to do the same thing. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Would you just lift up your hands right now and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to do the work. It might be a minor, uh, uh, just a minor um, rearranging and, and, and uh, uh, updating of, of a paint wallpaper, or it might need to be a complete overhaul. <laughs> Lord, do whatever you need to do. We give you permission. Do whatever adjustments. Clean up. Replace. Forgive us, Lord God. We surrender to you, Holy Spirit, to do the work. Let it begin now. Let it begin today. We would never go back to to the ways that we were. The Holy Spirit, you would quicken our thoughts and quicken our words and correct us in mid-sentence and in mid-thought and that we would be shifting to the things that are of you from this moment on. We give you our minds. We give you our thoughts. We give you our emotions. We give you our words. We give you our possessions. We give you our attitudes. We give you everything about us. Shift us, Lord God, to be more like you. We yield to you, Holy Spirit. Do your work. We've made a mess of it. We've, we've burned too many bridges. We've, we've, we've been too ugly and critical. God, forgive us. And let us walk in your love in all the ways that you would have us to do it. People we know, people we don't know, and everybody in between. Thank you, Jesus. We can't do this in our own strength. We just can't. We can't. And we won't. Because today we're going to rely on your strength from this moment on. We realize that we fall flat on our faces in our own strength, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Your word says, and so all your promises are yes and amen, just like we sung about. And so whatever it is that you promise, that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that we've been made more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Lord, all those promises that are there, we put our names to it, we apply it to our situations, and that we would help us, Lord God, to shift into the things that are of you. We rejoice and we thank you for this. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. For your glory, we pray. For your kingdom's sake, we pray. And all God's people said amen. Amen. See, God sees your heart, hears your heart, knows what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, this week. He's already got some stuff lined up for you. So now how about saying, all right, Lord, when the test comes, not if, because it's going to come. When the test comes, Lance. When the test comes. It's going to happen, isn't it? In fact, the enemy's going to kind of make sure, well, let's just see how that goes. I'm going to bring that coworker in that really has a bad attitude, and they're going to have the worst attitude that they've ever had, and it's going to be tomorrow. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to return it in kind? Right? I mean, what's going to happen this week? No, you're going to be tested. All right, Holy Spirit, this is where you come in, because I, I, I can't do this. I'm going to fall flat. I'm going to mess up. Help me. And he will. Amen? Lord, I thank you that those that needed to be here today were here. And those that are watching that needed to hear this will hear it and say, thank God. Those that maybe are hearing this a year, uh, two or now, a week or two from now, they're going to hear it as well. And you're going to make a difference. Expand this message out and let it be a ripple effect that impacts the world. Why not out of Faith Assembly in Rock Hill that this message today can make all the difference in the world and impact people for the rest of eternity, right? Why not? Why not? Not just in big old churches that, that have television shows. We can do it here. Amen? <laughs> Amen.